Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, Lord of mercy. All night, Sunday, Central. Follow me now. Say, say, I think it's the rolling hip-hop. Say, Jay Rolls is the rolling hip-hop. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Created for Marketers by Marketers podcast. My name is Billy Louisu, and we've been working hard to find marketing topics which will help you level up your skills, and that will blow your mind. Today is episode seven, and the topic we'll be covering is the state of digital marketing. We'll be discussing the importance of fusing digital and classic marketing. The increase in new channels and technologies has dramatically changed the environment in which marketers operate. My guest for today is a true champion when it comes to all things customer. She has 20 years worth of experience in marketing. She's led digital transformation projects at Coles, Officeworks, and most recently, World Vision. Today, she aims at bringing those learnings to many more marketers and has started her own advisory, Arctic Fox. Thanks for joining me, Teresa. Glad to be here. How are you? How are things? Good, thanks. Really pleased to be here. Thank um, you for joining me on such a late Wednesday afternoon. I know you're a busy lady to get a hold of, but thanks for jumping on the podcast. Yes, no problem at all. For anybody who's listening, we are recording at 8.30 at night. <laughs> yes. Um, and that just goes to show um, how much I'm, I'm cramming into my day. Dedication. Yeah. The, Absolutely. Uh, Don't hate hate the play, I hate the game. (laughs) Talking about marketing, um, the first question I start off the podcast with is marketers and music. So what music do you listen to when you work or what's your favourite album? Sure. I'm not very good at listening to music when I work. Um, I actually find it a little bit distracting. Um, So, um, but when I'm not working, um, I tend to listen to a lot of R&B. I am a bit of a fan of Michael Jackson. Oh, yes. How can you not be? Absolutely. (laughs) And a bit of a fan of Bruno Mars as well, but I don't really have kind of um, favourite artists or albums. Um, I kind of listen to a variety of R&B. Bruno's pretty good to listen to when you work. I've actually had been mistaken for Bruno Mars before. Have Um, you? That's that's for a different podcast. Um, I can see that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's the fedora. It's the fedora. Um, So... Today's topic, State of Digital Marketing, um, give, give us a bit of a brief introduction of yourself and what you do today and how that topic's relevant. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I launched Arctic Fox, which is an advisory business 12 months ago. Uh, and our organisation focuses on uh, partnering with marketing and business leaders in areas of marketing transformation and digital transformation. Uh, And the reason I launched the business is um, from personal experience. I found as a CMO at World Vision, I was tackling an array of really challenging, complex challenges for the organisation to to drive growth and to really shift uh, the way in which the marketing team operates uh, to adapt to a a new world and found that... um, there aren't a lot of providers in market that really support senior leaders uh, as they shift and reorient their departments. And so um, after 20 years of, of being client side, I thought it was the ideal opportunity um, to, to start my own business and to really support leaders like myself um, navigate these challenges. Yeah, I think, um, I think what you're doing is fantastic, you know, having the experience, but also figuring out how you bring it to other marketing leaders. And 
you know, it's becoming the norm. I think a lot of marketers are putting their hands up and saying things are moving so quickly. I need support. I need mentorship. I need guidance. Um, and there's a bit of confusion. Uh, people seem to think that yes, marketing has evolved or at least, um, channels, consumer behavior has evolved, but I want you to talk me through what you see as the modern marketing principles. I'm interested to hear your take on that. Sure. So it's a great question and one that obviously is a lot of organizations and, and marketers are grappling with. Um, uh, but I'm probably not going to start where you think I'm going to start. Uh, and, and so what I'm going to do is cast my mind back and cast the audience mind back. I'm sure many of, of, um, of the listeners have, have studied marketing at some point in, in their career. Uh, and, it, and if we go back and look at the definition of marketing, um, you know, it's defined as the science and art of exploring, creating and delivering value to satisfy the needs of a target market at a profit. Now, if you think about that, the principles of marketing haven't really changed. You need to understand your audience, you need to understand their needs, um, determine how you're going to deliver value in order to make money. Um, and, and, and how that, that, that money or funds is used um, could be for different purposes, right? That's relevant mm. for, for a non-for-profit as much as it is for, for a for-profit business. Sure. But what has actually changed is the environment in which marketers are doing it. So, um, you know, we are operating in a space now where there are really high levels of competition. Um, if you look at developed nations um, around the world, not just Australia, we're dealing in environments where there's flatlining growth mm -hmm. and a lot of growth in developed nations is coming from migration, which mm -hmm. is challenging at the moment in a, in a, in a world where COVID is, is, um, is wreaking havoc. Ruling us all. Say again. It's ruling us all. Exactly. That's yeah. right. Um, and, and you know, and migration, you know, isn't really caring at the levels it was, mm -hmm. Uh, obviously, channel proliferation um, is something that we've been aware of for years. Um, and, and we're also, obviously, the environment we're operating in, rapid technology advancement, and which is, you know, all of this is leading to kind of shifting customer expectations. Mm -hmm. So this really heightens um, the importance of um, what we are here to do as marketers. Um, how do we meet customer needs? and deliver value and do so to effectively compete, differentiate and remain relevant. And I think somewhere along the way, the marketers and the industry have gotten a little lost and we've gotten a little lost for a few reasons. A few reasons. Many marketers have really lost sight of the customer. So um, as channel proliferation occurred, teams started to be structured around channels and specialisms rather than the customer. And so we're seeing this reorientation back to towards the customer itself uh, in the way teams are structured. Um, and we're also seeing that um, marketers, I think in some instances, and this might be a controversial statement, have become more focused on, on winning awards than we have actually around kind of delivering on business outcomes. And, and I know of a very high profile case, um, and now I'm going to forget who it was. I think it was Coca-Cola. <laughs> it was one of the big FMCG brands that actually 
went out to market and publicly said that we're going to restructure and put in a um, a chief growth officer. Mm -hmm. And then 12 months later, they actually diverted back to a CMO. But they, mm. they said they had to do that because marketing lost sight of what was really important um, yeah. within the organisation. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as I said before, um, modern marketing principles mm. Um, nothing's changed fundamentally around what is the kind of role of marketing within organisations. I think it's really about how organisations are refocusing and marketing playing the role that they they should have always been. Mm -hmm. um, and so to do that, um, marketing teams need to rethink um, and reshape what they do in order to be successful. Yeah, it's interesting. There's so many nuggets of, of things that you mentioned I want to t kind of tap into, but you, you talked about uh, the company that got rid of the CMO role. I think it's McDonald's and they, they have re, re brought that role back into the organization. There's also an, I can't remember the name of the, there's another agency and a, and a business who said, we're no longer submitting ourselves into awards. Mm. Um, and we are going to start focusing on, um, the KPIs that really matter, which is the customer mm. and the growth of our organization. Um, they, you know, I've, I've worked in, in industries like advertising where it takes months to submit these awards. The energy could be spent on doing something that's far more profitable mm. for the business. Mm. You also said the, it hasn't changed, but the fundamental, um, you know, strategy for a marketing organization or focus for a marketing organization is to understand your audience, their needs, deliver value and make money. And what has changed is the way tech data digital has started to impact how the strategies then being played out in different tactics, Absolutely. Um, different commercial models. So in, in those modern marketing principles, I'd love to hear your take on then if it's the state of digital marketing, what is the role of digital? How does mm. digital play a role in that? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So, um, and, and I often talk about, um, and we as a business often talk about this, that fundamentally the marketing mix hasn't really changed. Um, so if you think about the four P's or the seven P's or, or whatever you term it, um, you know, that, that really hasn't changed either. But mm. what digital has done um, is really enabled shifts in each of those four Ps, right? So let's take something like price, for instance. Mm -hmm. So in a digital world, price is really no longer static. Um, uh, there's the emergence of dynamic pricing, uh, flexible pricing, um, based on how consumers want to consume products. So digital enables you to provide more relevant, personalised pricing options than what would occur in an offline world. Um, let's take place as another example. So obviously, um, uh, you know, e-commerce has been around for a long time, but there are some organisations that are just establishing their e-commerce presence in the retail space even today. Mm. Um, and if we think about e-commerce, that's really hygiene. Um, you know, consumers now expect that they can transact online. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a new way that organisations can deliver on Place, right the ways in which organize um, the ways in which consumers engage and consume your product but that's really just the beginning um, digital's obviously enabled transparency through the supply chain so think about uh, the example of Domino's and the ability now to track my delivery yeah, uh, via digital technologies <laughs> or the way in which my delivery is uh, fulfilled yeah. through through technology itself so so 
you know, as you can see, as I step through some of the four Ps, you can see that, you know, they're all still really relevant. It's just the way that they're executed in a digital world that's fundamentally changed. And so, you know, what is really important for marketing teams is to, you know, I've often heard, heard marketers say, oh, but it's just another channel. Well, yes, it is another channel in the sense of, um, you know, it, it is, um, the marketing mix is still really relevant, but mm -hmm. if you don't have the expertise in order to deliver new experiences um, and fulfill and deliver on needs of the customer in a digital world, mm -hmm. uh, then you're probably not able to, to operate effectively as a marketing function. And, and we still see many marketing functions shaped the same way they were five to 10 years ago, when in fact, um, you know, the, the environment which we live in mm. and consumers' needs have rapidly evolved. Yeah, that tight integration between marketing and digital effectively should be the one organisation. I mean, mm. you're talking about the way you've just broken that down into the four Ps is just a really simple way to articulate price, product, placement, all those things, promotion, all those things we're taught as marketers and how digital has evolved them. The pricing stuff that's coming out in the market right now around, you know, dynamic pricing is fascinating. Mm. Location, Absolutely. demand. Um, you spoke about the Domino's tracker. You know, I'm one of those consumers who's sitting there looking at my phone going, come on, John, <laughs> you've been on my street for five minutes, find the damn house. You know, like, you know, Absolutely. The expectation yeah. is, you know, you've got eyeballs. What do you do with them now? And, mm. and digital is really starting to, to, to expand, um, every angle of how we communicate. So you've framed the modern marketing mix. So you interest the interesting points on digital as part of your advisory service, what are the core universal challenges then that you're uncovering? Mm, there's so many, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's really interesting is that, um, I like, I often talk about, uh, the fact that, you know, you need to you need to develop a unique path for each organisation. I'm very much about, you know, we don't want to adopt a cookie a cookie cutter approach. Um, mm -hmm. So some of the themes are very very consistent in in terms of challenges. How you go about addressing them can be very different based on the organisation um, mm -hmm. and based on the context and and their readiness for change. Um, but okay, so what are some of the things that we're seeing? Well, the first is that. Uh, we're still very much seeing a fragmented customer experience, which is driven by internal silos, um, particularly as it pertains to the ownership of digital. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're still seeing in some instances that digital is still um, managed as a separate function, often separated from traditional marketing. Uh, and, and that's happening in two ways. One is that within the marketing department itself, we're seeing kind of uh, a digital function and then a traditional marketing function, and rarely do the two meet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and two is that digital actually sits outside the marketing department's remit completely. Um, and, and that's really interesting uh, because if we think about consumers, they don't delineate <laughs> between traditional and digital, right? They have an experience with a brand. Uh, and so organisations that, that really seek to deliver a connected customer experience really need to think about the operating model that they need to deploy in order to deliver 
the ideal customer experience for, for their customers. Um, the second is that in some organisations, and, and you particularly see this in, in industries like retail, yep. um, digital is really perceived as a bolt-on to the existing operations or a separate business altogether. Uh, even though uh, from an e-com perspective, the range uh, really mirrors what is available in store. And so this really creates issues around understanding the role that digital plays in the customer journey. Um, uh, you know, the, the silos that exist within the organisation because it's very much perceived as a bolt-on mm. uh, really shapes mindsets and behaviours internally. Uh, you know, that is a traditional customer or no, that's an online customer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a massive and let, challenge. And let me give you a personal example. And I wrote about this article. I, I wrote about this in an article I published recently. So I apologize to anyone who's, who's read that article. But a couple of months ago, and this was just before kind of we went into lockdown um, uh, in Melbourne. So it would have been kind of early March. I bought a, a piece of furniture from a retailer and I wanted to get it delivered to their store because they only delivered Monday to Friday, nine to four, which probably works for them, but it doesn't work for me because I'm out with, with clients working <laughs> on site. And so I called my local store to ask if I could get the product shipped to them and then pick it up on the weekend. And I was told by the store, oh, sorry, you're an online customer. Yeah, and unbelievable. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, yeah. and I said to the, to the um, shop assistant, no, actually, I'm a customer of the brand. And, and if you actually look at my record, you'll see that I purchased quite a lot of money with your, uh, purchased quite a lot of product with your store. Um, so could you please help me out? And, and I couldn't actually get any assistance. I had to call the call centre, um, at which point uh, a decision was made that, yes, I could, I could pick it up from the store. But I tell this story not to, to kind of, um, uh, what's the word? Um, rag on? <laughs> yeah, if you like. Um, rain, on, rain on a retail, retail brand's parade. And I haven't named the retail brand, but um, not to do that, but just to illustrate the example of, of how, you know, that organisation would have been built before a digital age. Right. And uh, they've been very successful in retailing through kind of bricks and mortar and, and they haven't quite worked out their business model and, and the way to effectively service customers cross channel. Uh, and, and they are some of the growing pains that, that organizations are facing. Um, oh, it's noise to music to my ears. That's the experience has happened to me numerous times. So yes. thanks for bringing it to our attention again. <laughs> yes, it's definitely, it's definitely not, um, I'm not an isolated case. That's for sure. <laughs> The third is that um, marketers are really still, in many instances, operating as channel experts within organisations. And this comes back to, to structures or structure. And of course, there are, there are always exceptions to the rule, but we still see too many marketers on the whole that are experts in, in channels rather than experts in customer. And a lot really does need to evolve in this space if, if you do want to being the custodian of the customer and really embed a customer focus within the organization and lead that as a marketing team. Uh, and, and so what does that mean you need to do? Uh, you need to get closer to the customer. You need to go out and spend more time 
observing your customers, learning more about their pain points, uh, understanding the data, understanding the insights, and really understanding why, not just the wash. Mm-hmm. I think connected to this, this third element that I'm talking about is I think we've become really obsessed with data and, and data tells us a lot of the what, um, you know, A-B testing, uh, digital analytics, but it doesn't tell us the why. Yeah. And sometimes that why is really important in order to determine how best to, to, um, to improve an experience. hundred oh, percent. I mean, we focus on quantitative metrics, which is, you know, binary as opposed to qualitative, which is, you know, obser- like you mentioned observing and understanding why the customer's performing in a certain way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I can put my hand on my heart and say, you know, I've, had projects where I have chosen quantitative over qualitative and it hasn't had the same results. A a recent project I did for one of the big banks, um, I uh, went to lots of open homes and lots of open homes with first home buyers. And I spent a lot of time with first home buyers and I got to the crux of some of the biggest challenges they face with banks Mm. and it wasn't in a quantitative survey. So good, good insight. It's really, it's really illuminating. And I think, um, now, if I cast my mind back to my time at World Vision, uh, it was something, you know, I, I embedded something called the customer mandate, which was uh, you had to go and go and, and do something uh, to learn more about donors at least once a quarter. And that was jumping on the phone or, or going on the road with our, um, with our go-to-market team. Uh, but that wasn't easy to invent. It wasn't something that came naturally. We were, we were too busy being busy as marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's something that, um, that, you know, marketers do really need to consider, but equally really knowing your toolkit. So, so at times, you know, A-B testing makes absolute sense, but it sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, mm-hmm. is it more of a, a qualitative study that we need to do or is it kind of a combination of both in, in order to, to better understand the customer? Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth is uh, the fourth challenge I'm really seeing is that data-driven marketing, in some respects, is still very much in its infancy. So, so if you look at the headlines in market, it feels like as as a brand or as an individual working for a brand that that you might feel light years behind some of your competitors. Uh, you know, and there's there's been so much um, rapid. Um, increase and uptake in in MarTech in order to deliver highly data-driven marketing experiences. Uh, But that's not necessarily what's playing out within organisations. And, and, you know, in many organisations, we're seeing marketers are really experiencing a failure or or experiencing an inability to to launch, if you like, to to be able to move the agenda forward. Um, and, And that's for a myriad of reasons um, and one of those reasons isn't necessarily about the tech i mean the tech's a whole nother conversation Absolutely. And some of the challenges in that space uh, but but part of it's actually driven by marketers needs and desires to strive for, for perfectionism mm. um, and in the last six months we've been working on um working with a few brands large and small and the same issues emerging uh marketers are really focused on the data they don't have as a as opposed to the data that is at their disposal and so until they they feel like they've got ample amounts of data that kind of accurately reflect their core customer segments 
uh, they have an inability to move forward. Um, a data wish list, we call yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and some of it's about reframing how you think about it, right? You know, right. let's not focus on what you don't have, let's focus on what you do have. Because if you can't even use what you do have, you're going to have little chance of being able to leverage what you don't. That's um, right. And so, you know, that, that's a really big one. Uh, but I think, you know, marketers can take comfort in the fact that, you know, you're not alone and there's many other organisations that are still grappling with it. Um, and then finally, the fifth, it's, it feels like I've been talking for a while. But, <laughs> it's um, good, all great stuff. I'm not, you know, it's important I'm not that people understand yeah. <laughs> what I'm talking about. So the fifth is really um, that planning still isn't channel ag agnostic and, um, you know, we're still seeing many brands kind of start, whether it's campaign planning or, or broader strategic platforms the planning really starts with what's happening in traditional channels and then um what are we what money is left over and then what does that mean we do from a digital perspective yeah. um and and connected to that is the way that teams are structured often we still see that the middle of the funnel is often not being managed effectively either mm. um you know you've kind of got a brand or performance focus and 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 nothing's happening in between in the middle yeah, absolutely. And part of that's not just driven by internal structures, it's also driven by agency partners. So, you know, organisations or marketing teams will have kind of a, a, a creative uh, agency um, that kind of plays in the brand space and then they might also have a performance agency and the two don't really integrate well mm -hmm. and work effectively together. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a there's a few challenges in, in, in that space and... and um, I think, you know, to, to add a further layer to it, what I've recently seen is some data which shows that zero-based budgeting, which I think was heralded as the solution to, to move towards a more, cha um, you know, channel agnostic approach to planning. 4% um, uh, of marketing departments have taken that up. Um, and that's a concept that's been around for a number of years. And, yes. and so we're, we're really wedded to traditional ways of working and thinking. We are. We are. You, you mentioned planning and I guess um, we could spend hours talking about lots of this stuff, but planning, I remember a project again I worked on and a simple method I used was um, I looked at the customer life cycle, identified the stages in which customers engage with the brand. I then went around to each department and figured out how much budget they add to these specific parts of the journey. Mm. And uh, it was um, very eye-opening because mm. the brand agency was absorbing probably 80% of the budget in mm. TVCs and your large portion of actual revenue, which is in your current customer base, was being wilted away with maybe 10% of the marketing budget. Mm. And it was just it was just really eye opening. I'm like, no wonder there's a, you know, 30, 40% attrition mm. rate year on year in consumer because mm. you're not spending any time nurturing them still. Mm. You just assume they're going to hang around because they still understand the value prop. So, mm. and the silos perpetuate some of that mm. and, and teams can become quite territorial over, well, this is my budget and, and, and we don't want to spend that. Mm. And that's why, you know, when you start thinking about, can you solve new problems with existing structures and approaches? Mm. And, and I would always say that 
the reality is um, structure is a blunt instrument. So, you know, you, you can't restructure and, and assume all your problems are going to go away. No. But sometimes structure is really important to break down the silos and also kind of giving some consideration to whose job is digital. Is it, mm-hmm. is it a team's job or is it everyone's job? And once you start doing a combination of things, reshaping team, um, resetting expectations around who's responsible for digital and starting to really reorient around the customer, things naturally start to change because you start to get exposed to all these types of things that we've been talking about and that you've just touched on. Thanks for that, uh, that insight, Teresa. So you, you touched a little bit on marketing technology and uh, it's obviously a real, you know, has a soft spot in my heart and I've been working in that industry for quite some time, yes. but it's still a very challenging uh, topic because a lot of marketers are investing in technology and aren't seeing mm. results. And we touched about data, which is underpinned by technology, digital, which is heavily supported by technology. Um, what are some of your tips, how marketers can start to adopt and utilize marketing technology? Mm, sure. Uh, so, so a few tips, um, and they'll seem probably really obvious, but too often we still see in market that marketers uh, aren't leveraging these tips. And so I think it's really important to, to provide some really practical advice. So the first is that the technology should not drive the strategy. The strategy should drive the technology. And so if you're not clear on what you're trying to achieve, then start there. (laughs) Create your vision, define your use cases, then go to market and source the platform that meets those needs. Uh, And definitely do your due diligence, right? Uh, This industry is a $122 billion global industry. I think at last count, there's 7,000 or 8,000 providers in market. I can't remember. 8,000 now. Is it (laughs) 8,000? 8,000 plus um, providers in market. So um, as you can imagine, those providers are trying to drive growth of their own businesses, gain market share. Um, And I'd say these organisations... You know, there's some really good providers out there, but uh, their focus is really predominantly on pre-sales and and driving um, platform sales as opposed to embedding them within your business. So it's really important that um, you do your due diligence um, uh, in order to to make sure you you know what you're buying. Um, Look under the hood. Yeah, look under the hood. Um, you know, make sure that there's live demos, actually get the providers to show you how something's done, not just whether or not the platform can do it. That's right. Um, I've been told many times uh, through some some procurement processes that a platform does, um, provides a particular feature and then found that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, I, I, I come with the scars. So, so definitely <laughs> make sure you do you do your due diligence. Um, you know, and that and that's the the benefit of partnering with with organisations, um, whether it's an advisory or a consulting organisation or, or even an agency. Um, you know, we we are uh, providers. Or, you know, many many providers have have lived experience. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that it's important to, you know, think about people as part of your technology implementation. Um, So technology or MarTech isn't about MarTech, it's about people. People are ultimately 
going to be the ones driving the technology. The technology is not the silver bullet. And so do you have the right skills and expertise to derive value from the tool? Do you have the right structures in place? Are you upskilling your team um, in order to, to be able to leverage the tool? And also um, give consideration to process or ways of working. How do your processes and ways of working need to evolve in order to really embed the tools uh, as part of a core way of working uh, and approach within the department. Um, and if you start to think about technology beyond the tech, you're gonna have a far greater chance of success. Uh, and then finally, I would say, uh, my last piece of advice would be really, be really clear around uh, what benefits you seek to derive and build out a scorecard and track your efforts over time. Yes, um, simple uh, but a powerful and out one. Yeah, efforts and outcome is what I, I meant to say, efforts and outcome, track your efforts and outcome over time. Mm. That will enable you to determine when to pivot, where to further invest, uh, because you know, from the outset, you don't have all the answers. It's what you learn along the way that matters, and and that's why you need kind of data at your your fingertips in order to make some informed decisions as you go through the process of embedding and scaling Martech within your within your business. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of battle scars. It sounds there, Teresa. Um, <laughs> well, I've implemented 15 plus <laughs> platforms over my career. So, so you definitely learn a lot along the way. Yep. Um, actually, one final point is, um, and, and this isn't talked about enough, is that MarTech will fundamentally not just change what the marketing team does, but also um, have an impact across the wider organisation and, and other teams. So really give consideration to how you're engaging other teams along the journey how we, and how you're partnering with IT in particular to deliver. Yeah, oh, yeah 100%. The buying journey and the implementation journey needs IT's um, 100% commitment. Yeah. Um, so that good good one to um, to add. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, you summarised it, speed to value is another really important one. You mm. know, don't, don't bore the ocean with your implementation, otherwise you'll have all the execs looking at you saying, where's our investment where's Absolutely our investment right and, yeah. and you're gonna to have to go and ask for more investment right and mm. and so you need to be really clear in terms of the outputs you the outcomes you're going to deliver mm. and the return you're going to deliver and, and then make sure you're tracking um, against delivery of that in order to to build confidence and instill confidence in in the executive um or the board or, or whoever you've had to convince for the funds Yep. Uh, in order to, to be able to put your best foot forward to gain that next tranche of investment. Yeah. You, um, you're talking about the 15, you know, different platform, platforms you've implemented. I think it's, it's you know, the, the, root of, the foundations of your business, you're there to, to help marketers and, and be that mm -hmm. bridge between, you know, vendors and, and or agencies and the business and the brand. How do you plan on helping more organizations align to this, this new modern way of thinking that you've mm. explained throughout the entire podcast so far? Yeah, great. So we as an organization really believe in knowledge transfer uh, to successfully embed sustainable change within a marketing department or a broader organization when it comes to, to, to transformation. 
um, you really need to ensure that the knowledge resides within the business. And so whilst we provide advisory services, we also provide things like soundboarding services in order to, to provide access to strategic advice but not to do the job for leaders within mm -hmm. the business. They're building their IP as they move through the journey. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing we're also doing is um, we, we're launching a series of masterclasses uh, in order to, to really um, enable organisations to upskill their team. And one of the masterclasses we are launching in September is what we call our Digital Marketing Masterclass which really aims to empower marketers with the knowledge and expertise to better understand and leverage digital. Amazing. Uh, and really, and, and, and to have the confidence to ask the right questions. So um, this isn't about a highly, you know, a program that's focused on enabling you to be an expert in SEO or an expert in social media, right? Um, we spoke to a lot of industry leaders, marketing managers, heads of marketing, CMOs, that told us that, you know, they want programs that enable them to upskill their knowledge and expertise, but a, a program that really builds upon their, their kind of foundational knowledge and expertise as marketers. Um, and, and so this program's really squarely aimed at, at, at those individuals to, to build their um, comfort, knowledge and expertise in the digital space to really complement their, their existing skills and experience. And we're really excited about it. I think um, we've spent a lot of time looking at some of the, the, the different offerings in market and we feel that it's a really um, distinct offering that really looks at marketing um, in an integrated fashion and, and, and the role that digital plays um, in a modern marketing world. Amazing. Yeah. Good luck with that. I think there's a lot of courses that are very tactical, yeah. as you've said, how to, how to set up a social campaign, you know, how to send, you know, do an SEO campaign, all those things. And whilst they are mandatory for some, for some at the user level, I think these masterclasses at that senior marketing level yeah. to give you a wider understanding. And, and it's, it's, there's a lot of marketers who maybe don't understand digital want to, are afraid to put their hand up to say, well, which course do I do? I think yeah. this sort of masterclass is the exact right forum where you're not going to be judged. And it's just a group of people who have been there done it before um, and going through the details. So fantastic. I'll, I'll add a link at the bottom of the podcast. Mm, so if anyone's right. interested um, to click on and, and have a look mm. for more detail. And you've hit the nail on the head, right? You know, there are a number of marketers that feel like they've missed the boat. And mm. what I would say to, to them is, no, you haven't. But um, the reality is you do need to do something to upskill. Um, mm. and, and, and maybe this is the course for you. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, yeah. I'll uh, send some people your way. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, there's, a, there's a lot that I talk to that, uh, that's still very much just um, want to, you know, learn more. You can never stop learning. Absolutely. I've got 10 books on the go, believe it or not. Do um, you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm one of those people who start a book and, and start another one and then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but not not everyone digital marketing. Um, the one we're coming to the end of the podcast, Teresa. And two more questions. Sure. After everything we've discussed, what is the one skill you think marketers need to take away from this podcast? Mm. So, hopefully, they take away more than one nugget. Um, but you know, <laughs> in terms of in terms of skill, I actually think that in part. 
you know, in, in this modern marketing world, there are so many things you need to know, and and the the space is is changing so rapidly and it's accelerating right there's a saying that is the pace of change is the slowest it will ever be right so you can never know everything mm. and so i think the one skill that you need to have um, as a marketer and particularly as a leader a marketing leader is the art of knowing the right questions to ask in order to be able to make informed decisions so that means you don't need to be a digital expert um, but you do need to understand the value of digital the role that it plays mm. and how to get the right experts and team around you to navigate the path and, and deliver those outcomes. And, you know, the more you, you start to immerse yourself in the topic, the more you'll become comfortable in, in, in understanding the space and start to become comfortable with the, you know, what are some of the right questions to be asking my team to, to make sure they are on the right track um, without you feeling like you need to know it all. Yeah. Like, you know, I mentioned I'm reading 10 books. One of the books I'm reading, Homer Deus, it says um, tools like Google and that are very powerful. They're great tools because they have all the answers, but it doesn't tell you what questions to ask. Mm. Right back to what you've just summarized for me, the art of knowing the right questions to ask, being curious, being empathetic. Absolutely. Bang on. Yeah. Thank you for that one. That was uh, that's a gem. And the last question I have for you, is uh, buzzword bingo it wouldn't be a, a creative for marketers podcast without a couple of buzzwords so what buzzwords well are you sick of or are you favorite i think i'm definitely getting sick of hearing the word pivot um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know originally um initially when when COVID hit we we were hearing the word pivot and you know it was great to, to be honest it was great to see so many organizations really challenge themselves and and i really feel like a number of organizations really started to understand the art of the possible you know, when your back's against the wall, some of, you know, you really get to understand um, what you're capable of. Yep. Uh, but I feel like it's a little bit overused now because <laughs> oh, every yes. business is pivoting. Yeah. Uh, and you know what, rightly so. Um, you know, it, it is in a way uh, adapt or or, um, or potentially not survive. So, but um, but the term is um, losing a bit of shine, that's for sure. And it's it's always in capitals too, isn't it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other one for me, look, it's probably... Um, it's probably not a buzzword um, on every marketer's lips, but I think it should be. And it's not a newie, um, it's privacy. Uh, so uh, privacy by design is going to be a really big and important trend. Uh, and, and that's because regulations really catching up um, in the data space. You know, we, we've seen for many years, the data space has been um, uh, not as regulated as it should have been. And, and we're seeing, kind of governments across the world start to to better regulate the data economy mm -hmm. uh, and so if it isn't on your marketing agenda as a as a leader it should be um, as as it's definitely going to be a key focus area for boards um, oh. in the coming years and yeah. and it will become increasingly important to consumers and can be a way to differentiate if you move ahead of the curve so so pr probably um, not a buzzword but um, definitely a trend to be across and to learn more about and determine what it is you're going to do about it absolutely trend it's it's a it's the trend at the heart of this this uh, the next decade you know there's businesses who have made massive changes to their products because of privacy. 
iOS removing cookie tracking, a bit of Safari yeah. and Firefox now doing it, Apple doing it, um, permission. There's a recent email uh, client which has come out by the creators of Basecamp. Mm. It's called hey.com. Mm. And it's... Oh, did S- you sign up for this this morning? I got access to it this morning. <laughs> and I'll tell you how I got access to it because it's, uh, it's, it's by invitation only. But yeah, right. it's a... It's uh, the first private and secure email provider. They allow you to, from your interface, authorize brands to contact you and you give right. them permission to contact you. It's it's fascinating. Interesting. Um, it's not free. It costs, it costs money per year, but I think if I think people will be willing to pay the $99 for um, this level of control of their inbox. Mm, interesting. Um, so, uh, the way I got access to it was they, they said, send us an email um, and uh, of why we should we should give you access to it and uh i i i basically took a drake song which you're into r&b so maybe you like drake and turned it into a, an email spam <laughs> yeah yeah lyrics to get access <laughs> so they gave me access it worked hilarious everyone Billy, likes drake. you have way too much time <laughs> <laughs> oh look anyway it's uh, it's nine o'clock now Teresa. so yep. um thank you so much uh, no shared a lot of your insights with yep. uh, with the audience um around you know how companies are adopting digital and the state of how it's it's being adopted the insights you brought around the four p's at the start was simple but very effective um i really appreciate it and look forward to having these conversations with you again soon it was good fun thanks thank for that you. take care bye-bye bye